Thank you for joining the Once Changing the World, which is India's first future tech meets sustainability podcast. And today I'm delighted and honored to have with me Dr. Alex Hanna, who is the Director of Research at the Distributed AI Research Institute. Her work centers on the data used in new computational technologies and the ways in which these data exacerbate racial, gender, and class inequality. Dr. Hanna serves as a co-chair of Sociologist for Transjustice, is a senior fellow at the Center for Applied Transgender Studies and sits on the advisory boards for the Human Rights Data Analysis Group and the Scholars Council for the UCLA Center for Critical Internet. So, Dr. Really appreciate you taking time being part of the podcast. This is something which I pulled up in it. Why don't we start with a small brief introduction background? Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you having me on the program today. Sure. Um, so, yeah, as you said, I'm the Director of Research for the Distributed AI Research Institute. Um, what we are is we are a research institute that focuses on developing um, an alternative future for AI, one that's rooted in community-based methodologies and methods of um, creating AI and pushing back against the harms of AI technology. Um, so uh, to, to that end, we kind of have two pillars. One is to identify and operate as an organization that calls out these uses of AI, which are going to harm people or which are harming people. Um, and the second pillar is to try to work on elements of AI technology that can be used in our communities for them to flourish. And so much of what we focus on is trying to um, find people who are already doing this work um, and incorporate them into our work um, and, and to do this in places that um, are globally distributed. This is where the distributed um, part of our, our name comes from. Um, and so we have people all over uh, the globe. We have people in um, on the African continent, in Europe, in North America, um, and and we're trying to um, you know expand in other places too. So you know, before we get into the harms of AI, the good and the bad parts about it, so maybe just give give us a brief overview of what AI is and how it's gonna affect uh, society. Yeah, so I'm gonna give you a, a slightly different definition of what AI is because AI or artificial intelligence is often a misnomer. Um, I think this term AI has a very long history as if it's going to be this independent agent that can do all these things. And uh, it looks like this robot uh, or whatever, but AI itself is not those things. I mean, what AI looks like is it's a set of statistical methods um, that do a number of things. Um, one kind of method is used to discern the differences between different data points, uh, doing things including classification and regression. Um, and I think what we've seen these days that's more uh, commonly noted as AI is, are these generative models, which they effectively um, flip these things from um, generating predictions to generating new sequences of text or images or video. And I am in strong agreement with people like Emily Tucker and Meredith Whitaker, who say that 
they actually want to stop using this kind of idea of, uh, of, of calling things AI because everything's getting called AI now and AI is being used as this marketing term. Uh, effectively as a way of promoting a technology or an imaginary of something that doesn't actually exist, this kind of robot or this kind of independent agent. What it is, it's a set of statistical methods that are used for um, discerning between different data points or generating new text, these text or video or image synthesis machines that do massive pattern matching. So AI as a term is one that I think is is even though it's in our institute's name, it is often used more as a marketing term than discerning anything in reality. Right. So, so I, I think it's largely the Hollywood and and these novelists who who are to be blamed who have painted this picture like <laughs> possibly like a very dystopian picture of you know the mm-hmm. doom and gloom robots you know taking over the world. So I think as a common man, you know, you you largely have the perception that. You know, the, the, the there's going to be these machines which are going to be living amongst us, which is going to have possibly human level intellect, and I, mm-hmm. I guess that's the narrative given by at least you know some of the top uh, AI experts, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the space. Not all of them, but some of them are giving that kind of narrative out. I mean, mm-hmm. is is there is there a possibility that I mean that narrative could play out? You know, where we could have. Uh, machines which would have human level intellect, and if that is possible, what could be the root of some building something like that? So I want to do a few. I want to talk about this in a few ways because calling something human level intelligence does a few things. There are, especially in in talking about kind of the papers around AI, a lot of them. Um, a lot of these things say that, okay, they've beat humans in doing X, Y, Z. And what when they say that they um, have beat humans in doing that is that there is a task in which humans are doing a very similar task and, um, and they are do better in humans in doing that task. So that might be something like discerning whether, you know, one kind of speech or, you know, may fit in one category or the other, or discerning at a glance whether um, a dog is, uh, you know, a labradoodle versus a golden retriever or something of that nature. Um, And there are ways in which there are enough statistical regularities or there's enough patterns in it then that they can beat humans at this because a lot of that work is prone to boredom, prone to error and whatnot. In machines, if the problem is pretty well scoped, can do that very well. But to actually say that they can reach a human level intelligence in all the different ways in which humans are intelligent, in which humans can do this kind of discernment of different objects or, you know, may do things around intuition or picking up on social cues. Um, it's a bit of a nonsensical way of, of framing the problem because humans have these facilities to do many different things. Um, so it is not unrealistic to say that humans, that machines can outperform humans at certain tasks if they are pretty narrowly scoped. I think that's actually a thing that computers were made to excel at, doing things which are a bit rote and repetitive and and, and doing better than humans at that. 
but to call something as kind of a replacement for intelligence or 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 a, a replacement for human faculties i think is is a false problem but i do want to say that when we talk about intelligence and human intelligence we should know that history and know that if we're talking about ai it should be scoped pretty narrowly in talking about um particular tasks and not as kind of uh, uh, doing things which are which encompass everything humans can do in their mental facilities. Fair enough. So, so you what you're trying to say is that these people who are building these uh, large language models and AI, mm-hmm. largely the narrative mm-hmm. when it goes out to the public, uh, whether it's mm-hmm. the existential threat or whether it's AI taking over a job, that narrative is very appealing or maybe scary, and which gives them more marketing points. And that's mm-hmm. the reason possibly they, they are, are do, doing that. And, and that's that's the narrative which is going out in the world. Can you talk a little bit more about distributed AI research? What uh, what all that you're doing? And maybe if uh, you mm-hmm. can share some of your current projects that you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I can tell you a few, a few different things that we're doing. So we're a research center that's based um, in many different countries in the world. Um, I can tell you about specific projects that we're focused on. So um, in um, we have projects. So in, I can t- I'll start with kind of projects on the sort of two pillars. I mentioned this first pillar, which is kind of identifying these elements of, of, um, uh, of AI that's being used in the world and that's harming workers right now. And so uh, in, you know, in the U S uh, one of our fellows, Adrian Williams, who is a former Amazon delivery driver and former charter school teacher, um, is someone that's working on a few things. One of the things that she's been working on is um, finding out how much AI technologies are being used to discipline uh, Amazon delivery drivers and to surveil them. And so Amazon which is a very which has a huge delivery service in the U.S. and in a few other countries, um, has um, uh, excessive amounts of AI technology that they deploy in their car. They have cameras um, that uh, that view the driver in in their car that looks at the driver. They have cameras on the outside of the car, um, and then they have an app that they force the drivers to download on on their personal device or their scanner device. Um, And these tools, um, if a driver is driving along and has to brake suddenly because a kid runs out into the road or some some kind of thing happens, then this driver becomes, uh, they are dinged. They have some kind of penalty that they get on their app and they have to do separate trainings after work or, or prior to their shift. Um, so these things are being used to monitor uh, workers and discipline them and to uh, force them to do more unpaid work. And so Adrian has been doing some work and in interviewing drivers and understanding what their, um, you know, what their experience of experiencing AI is in their everyday work and how much labor this is adding to them. The same thing with another one of our fellows, Crystal Kaufman. Crystal is a um, is a organizer and a worker with Amazon Mechanical Turk. So much of AI technology wouldn't work if it wasn't for low paid labor in the U.S., in Kenya, in India, 
of people who are annotating uh, small, doing small tasks, um, annotating uh, things like discerning whether, um, you know, these kinds of images are, you know, a, a Ford F-150, a, a truck or a, or a, a, a Nissan uh, or, or Toyota Tacoma, another type of truck or something of that nature. Um, and they, for each of these tasks, they obtain, you know, basically pennies per task, not a lot of pay, but if it could be a living if they were paid uh, sufficiently. Um, but this platform has been buggy. The platform, um, you know, doesn't work very well for mechanical Turk workers. Um, there's many problems with it. Um, and so Amazon, uh, so Crystal and her colleagues have been pushing back on Amazon, have been focusing on um, trying to make this platform um, uh, do better uh, for those workers. And they've been organizing uh, against Amazon um, to that end um, because the sort of tools that Amazon employs, possibly AI, possibly different tools are not working for those workers. Um, um, those workers have been at a deficit. And so that's um, something that uh, uh, Crystal's been working on. Our second pillar is trying to build AI that works for people, especially communities um, that are typically left out of AI development. And so, um, so, um, so two of those uh, uh, projects, one of them is uh, a partnership that we have uh, with Asma Lashteka, who is a, a DARE fellow, um, and he also is the founder of Lasan.ai. And this this is an organization that is trying to build machine translation and automated speech recognition tools for languages on the, in the Horn of Africa. So those are languages spoken in Ethiopia and Eritrea. Um, so those are languages including Tigrinya and uh, Amharic and Oromo. Um, and these tools uh, are, you know, purported to work well for, uh, you know, Facebook has a tool um, called MMS and, and and Google has these translate tools, but they work terribly for these languages, even though they advertise them to work well for these languages. And so, um, so uh, Asma has been working on developing these technologies for um, for people and in collaboration with people in these communities. And the last project I want to talk about is a project that is um, that has been under development for a long time with one of our fellows, Rasacha Safala. Rasacha is also a, a um, she is uh, a, um, uh, 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 originally from South Africa um, and uh, currently, she is a PhD student at Mila, uh, which is the uh, AI development lab in Montreal, um, headed by Yoshio Bengio, um, and and uh, at the house at the Université de Montreal. And her work has focused on developing computer vision tools that can discern areas in South Africa that are um, that are. Um, um, uh, whether they are townships or not. And so in South Africa during apartheid, um, there were um, uh, this division between the areas in which the Afrikaners, the white Afrikaners lived in these, what are called neighborhoods and uh, the areas in which the native 
uh, black population and non-white population was forced to live in what were called these uh, these townships, these these informal settlements. After apartheid in South Africa, uh, in in uh, uh, which was uh, two decades uh, over well, three decades uh, ago at this point. Um, the formal division between neighborhoods and and townships was was eliminated, and the government stopped keeping track of these formal divisions. And however, uh, these townships still uh, exist and have been um, uh, uh, growing in their uh, in, in their in, in their in, in their size. So segregation. And spatial apartheid has been maintained, but there are no, no formal records of them. So Rasech's work has been developing tools in which to detect where these townships are so that there could be better social provision for these areas so that we can know how well these different areas have hospitals and schools and parks and whatnot. So that's the... Um, that's kind of this use of machine learning that serves particular populations, which are currently underserved by these technologies and by administrative systems. We be in 2023, and it's weird that, you know, we have all of these tech acceleration going on, tech converging going on. We talk about, you know, a one world where it's progressing so rapidly and, and you still have these racism, class, culture, divide. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and obviously, I mean, you know, there are these big tech which goes only for, you know, profit before anything. And you, mm-hmm. you mentioned about how AI... Uh, uh, is creating surveillance, monitoring on these people, mm. and, and so on and so mm. forth. So, so, so maybe elaborate a, a little bit more on this, you know, because of you know the big tech seems to be very centralized, hierarchical, you know, runs in in a certain mm. manner. And right now, the, the AI that we speak about still in narrow space. And I mean, you know, going forward, how do you think it's going to possibly? push people, you know, and divide things more and, you know, maybe then possibly elaborate on, you know, what you guys are also doing to, you know, make things where AI actually works for the the entire world, you know, because there are a lot of people, I mean, in the cities mm-hmm. who, who understand, you know, I mean, who've got access to great education, great healthcare, but you just get out of the city and there's a large number of people who don't know nothing about technology and how, how do mm-hmm. we involve everything? How, how do we go about doing that? Because it is a large problem. To think about effectively what problems AI could could actually work for, um, what are the things in which AI may be a solution for? I mean, that is, I think, rule number one, right? A lot of the things that AI is being oriented um, oriented towards are effectively trying to surveil people more effectively or automate away some job. Um, and people who are living in, um, you know, maybe not be living in cities or living in rural areas are not going to benefit from any type of AI. They may have some kind of promise, but these things are going to be used for centralization of kind of labor power or replacing certain people or cost-saving devices. So I think the first question is asking what problems would AI actually excel at? 
Um, and there might be some of these limited types of things. Machine translation, as I mentioned, and Asma's project would bring a lot of people into uh, into kind of a larger economy or allow people to uh, engage in trade and commerce. But if you're thinking about perennial problems, things like poverty, uh, things like homelessness and houselessness, things like education, um, these things are not questions of having AI, even though people like Sam Altman and uh, uh, Elon Musk would like to say that, you know, if we had AI in the schools, we would have all these replacements for teachers. We don't have enough teachers and AI would 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 do this or, or we need these replacements for doctors. Um, Greg Corrado, who is a vice president at Google um, and one of the founders of the Google Brain said that they released a large language model to do uh, patient diagnostic um, in, 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 in medical settings. But he also said in the same breath as they were replacing it, I don't want my family to be subjected to these different things. I actually would prefer a human doctor. And so it's a really kind of thing where these things are not going to solve poverty or solve the, the, the lack of doctors. Um, those, are, those are societal failures. Those are failures of public provision those are failures of professionalization. Those are failures of healthcare systems and institutions. AI is not going to solve institutional failure. That is, that is, you know, that I want that to be written across the sky. I want that tattooed on me. Uh, AI is not going to solve institutional failure. Those institutions need to be fixed foundationally, and that needs to be done in different ways, whether that's collective action or government provision. But AI is being posed as being seen as, as something that would, will fix, which is unfortunate, right? Um, and so I think that's the, that's the thing. So I, I guess to, I mean, to, to go back to your question, where are these areas in which AI would be a boon for these people? Um, and where would it be places? So, if places where institutions are maybe working sufficiently and could use some some uh, labor saving devices that don't that don't displace people, um, uh, place labor and it had agreement of people who were involved, then that could be a huge boon for them. If it was doing things like supporting farmers or getting their crop to market maybe quicker, I mean, there's kind of uses of this in rural settings. But if it was saying that this is going to solve poverty or this is going to integrate people into a kind of a class position that they are, uh, uh, it will force them into a lower class position, then they should be rejected wholeheartedly. Um, yeah. When you say distributed AI research, I mean, does AI for the people, what do you mean by that? Could you elaborate on that and some of the works that you've done? You know, an organization that I, I love to talk about um, because I think it's such an exemplar are, you know, is one organization called um, Teheku Media. And so Teheku Media is an organization based in New Zealand or Eritrea. Um, and what their organization is, is it's it's a um, group of 
of people, indigenous people, the the Teleya Maori people, and um, they have amongst their 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 things in addition to the kind of recording of 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 indigenous uh, elders and records. Um, sorry, my my cat's here. Um, and she's trying to step on the keyboard. Um, so in addition to the recording of, of elders and cultural events is the development of technologies like automated speech recognition or, um, or machine translation, which would do very well in sort of doing this thing and sharing and perpetuating their own indigenous, um, indigenous knowledge to their own people as well as retaining and maintaining their own uh, and their own records and, 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 um, and, and um, maintaining their language uh, for their people. They've been very aggressive and not allowing um, other people, uh, uh, other companies like OpenAI and Facebook from obtaining the data that they have because they would take it and 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 using this traditional knowledge for effectively free, um, and they would um, um, and they they would go and try to integrate it into these tools, which does not work for their their people. And so when we talk about kind of community based approaches to AI, I mean it's done in a way that is supporting actual humans and supporting actual people here in their um in their own uh uh efforts and in their own uh practices um that's not based in this kind of rush to centralize everything or to bring it to market for profit and 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 and, and other other types of reasons any anything exciting that Dale is working on that you would like to share with our listeners I'm continually excited by everything our fellows are doing. Uh, I think they're really the lifeblood of the Institute. Um, if you want to learn more about what our fellows are doing and what we're working on, you can go to dare-institute.org. Uh, we're trying to do kind of new kinds of media elements of uh, of of uh, of our of our work, we have two podcasts. One is called Mystery AI Hype Theater Three Thousand, which I co-host with Professor Emily Bender, in which we talk about kind of the um, very we talk about AI hype and we talk about um, these things that are advertised as doing all these different things, but are um, really uh, absurd in our view. There's another recent podcast that um, our fellows Miron Estafanos and Adrian uh, put together called Coffee and Cocktails. Um, and you can find episodes of both of those at peertube.dare-institute.org. And you can find Mystery AI Hype Theater kind of any anywhere you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and in uh, any kind of podcast form. Um, yeah, and then we're also having uh, kind of a possible future series in which we're writing about different futures of AI that we'd like to see in the world, and 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 um, and uh, what that what that imagination would look like. Lovely. Uh, thank you, Doctor. Really, really appreciate you taking time and being part of the podcast. We're living in a such a fantastic point of time because I think this is the first time in human history where technology is given anybody and everyone that this little interface 
for us to kind of reach out connect and, and, and create magic you know because you, you, you never know you could just be sitting out in uh, the most obscure place in the world but this internet uh, and, and technology is given us an opportunity to reach out and obviously i mean you know it, it has a vast repository of knowledge which enables you to kind of anybody who's got a desire and intent to kind of create you know big businesses just by so 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 fantastic uh, opportunity but at the same time and and these technology stack at least from my side i see that most of these tech stack is converging you know ar vr mr ai 5g quantum computing and i i, I think web3 and all of these once it kind of you know comes together we'll get into a fantastic mm-hmm. world and hope i mean at least i hope that we'll get into a world which is a little bit more decentralized because so far i think the entire world has been very top down hierarchical run by a certain bunch of people a certain bunch of uh, and they have always pushed us into doing a certain kind of thing i think today this first i mean this this era everyone's got the opportunity to like ask these brave questions whether it's stupid questions or whether i think you got the freedom to do that you know that's so exciting and and reach out to people and and and, and do some things which actually works for the people and you said you know the two main themes that you're working on a which is one is make people understand the harms of ai which is so very pertinent at this point in time because i think the rest of the world is going bonkers and kind of you know pushing the narrative that ai is going to be this uh, doom and gloom scenario or ai is going to be like going to be the savior uh, to you know nobody is kind of pushing the this thing yeah okay there is like the big tech which is you know manipulating humans in a very way a big way and i think we should look at it and how do we create tech which is for the people i think uh, ca- please keep on carrying on i think we need more companies and more people who who think of how we create tech which is human first so kudos mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. and, and your team wish you the very best and to my listeners if you like what you see in here then please press the subscribe button and until next time see you guys bye bye thank you thanks a lot really appreciate Great. it thank you eddie i appreciate it